0: Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Mother Daughter Team, Dr. Gloria, and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation, with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. On this segment of the show, we continue to discuss... Grandchildren Grief and Loss with our second guest, Nina Bennett. Nina Bennett is a bereaved grandmother and author of Forgotten Tears, A Grandmother's Journey Through Grief. Nina will discuss with us a grandmother's loss and how she honors her granddaughter Maddie by writing and speaking on the disenfranchised grief of grandparents, especially when it is a prenatal death. Welcome to the show, Nina. Thank you so much.
1: Hi, Nina. It's great to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed the we really enjoyed reading your book and, and looking at it and hearing about the disenfranchised grief of uh, grandparents, and uh it's really been interesting. Could you talk a little bit about Maddie's death and how long it's been for you?
2: It's been four years, six months, and 17 days. (laughs) Wow, so almost the same amount of time as Jewel. Very, very very similar, yes. It was November 2003. And my youngest son and daughter-in-law was their first baby, um, a very planned pregnancy. She actually went in for preconception checkup and counseling, had excellent prenatal care. Everything was normal throughout the pregnancy, normal labor. Um, The staff was as horrified as we were when Maddie was stillborn. died best guess during delivery, and we have no idea why. We'll never know why.
1: Mm. You know, that really, when I read that, I was like, whoa, because I've been at three deliveries, Mm -hmm. and how many, no, I've been more than that, I don't Mm -hmm. know, all but one, (laughs) and uh, that moment when the baby, I'm a nurse, I have Mm -hmm. a background in nursing, I don't really enjoy that moment. When there's a second where the baby is going to breathe or whatever, it's it's a very tense time, and yes. then to have that not happen—I mean, I just—it's mm-hmm. got to be just incredibly horrendous. Yes. Yeah. Overwhelming for everybody. And and uh, I just want to say a little bit about <laughs> Nina. We're I'm the last thing, but Nina was a, an expert, but Jewel also was in the field of of mm-hmm. dealing with this kind of thing. So I think one of the things that it says is we've got uh person here and we had two people who had a lot of knowledge in the field, uh, you know, of helping people go through pregnancies and you and you felt like it was a real kind of betrayal, right, of the um, world?
2: Yes. Yeah, very definitely. Um and even though I had worked in that field for many, many years, I still had the attitude that babies only die when there's something terribly wrong during mm-hmm. the pregnancy or during labor. We had no indications of any problems during labor either. There was never an indication of fetal distress you know, that would have alerted the medical staff that we had an emergency situation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there you are, and and you've lost your grandchild. And uh, tell us about how it is for you and how it was as a grandparent for our grandparents that are out there listening to the show. Well,
2: my reactions were similar to jules i um I was devastated i didn't know how to support my son and daughter in law I was trying to support the rest of my family and I realized that I couldn't do that that I needed the support um, i basically I operated like a robot I was a zombie for many, many months after her death.
1: You know, I was interested in reading your book, uh, Forgotten Tears, A Grandmother's Journey Through Grief. I was interested that you went, as uh, I never thought about my mother, Um, she wasn't quite as involved as you were. We lived uh, 2,000 miles away, and um, I I never thought about her going through the same kinds of things I was going through. Yeah. Uh, You know, the the breathing, the yearning, and searching, the pain, you know, all that. I really didn't ever think about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I found myself, um, the first several months actually after she was born still, I would be pacing the house because I couldn't sleep and I would notice that my arms were in a cradling motion as though I was carrying my granddaughter, which I was carrying the burden of her but not the warmth of her. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you said something in the book which I think is really very interesting and key too about how, and, and I know my husband and I, I'm sure we did it, how the husband and wife kind of close in. And and because you – I think part of what goes on is I was trying to deal with trying to keep up when my husband was down. I mean, we were having this yin-yang stuff going on with us. And then to have a parent want to come in and be involved – you could feel shut out. I know my aunt, who's uh, who was a grandmother, felt told me she felt shut out of the relationship.
2: Yeah, very much so. And um, because I've been so aware of it, this is one of the things that I try and do in helping and counseling bereaved grandparents. Now is to reassure them that that's normal. I I think part of me assumed that because I had been present the night she was born, I assumed that my son and daughter in law would want to grieve with me because we had shared the same physical experience of being in the room together, and they did exactly what you've described. They closed circle with each other. They were a wonderful support to one another, but my grief was too much for them to bear on top of their own, and it took me a while to realize that it was okay for me to grieve alone and to do what I needed to do alone, not to wait for them um, to want to be with me because they didn't want to be with anyone during that time.
0: Uh And were there people that you could grieve with that?
2: That was where I really had trouble. I was trying to protect my parents, who were still alive and very excited mm-hmm. over a great-grandchild. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to protect them from my pain. Um, my daughter-in-law and I actually became very, very close and lots of support to one another. But I ended up turning to an organization specifically for grandparents that I reference frequently in the book. And they are an Internet. They have a very strong and active um, support forum. And they are yeah, tell fabulous. us who they are. Sure. The the acronym is AGAST. It stands for Alliance of Grandparents of Support in Tragedy. So it's A G A S T dot org. And as I said, they have a very active support forum, and it's just wonderful people, wonderfully supportive, non-judgmental, very open. And I found, for me, I found that to be perfect because any time of the night or day that I needed to talk, I could go online and talk. I didn't have to get dressed and drag myself to a support group. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say that if I had had to get, take a shower and get dressed and leave my house to go to a group, I don't think
0: I would have. Well, I mean, physically I parts. couldn't. Sometimes yeah. you need support in the middle of the night. You don't know when you're going to need support. Right, exactly. You know, this is so interesting because people just
1: don't really think about grandparents as being this moved, right? They, yeah. by the experience. Yeah,
2: and I, I you, agree, and that's where my title came from. My, I felt as though by society, not so much my family, but that my tears were forgotten.
1: Right, and also, um, how about uh, your husband or your you the uh, granddad? Um, we
2: are divorced, so oh. his grief was his own grief. Okay, He didn't share any grief.
1: But still, yeah, but still, did he share anything with his son? Because I'm, I'm finding men, uh, as I go through this, are, are really pretty unique in their grief. They really deal with it differently.
2: Um, I really don't know in any of their private conversations. The only thing that I'm aware of is the conversation, very brief conversation that he and I had, was that he felt that our son was wallowing.
1: Mm hmm, and yeah.
2: yeah, With a background in grief counseling, I don't use that word. Uh
1: uh-huh. mm-hmm. So that's that's really interesting. I I think it shows some of the the family dynamics out there. It's very complicated, isn't it, when you start moving away from the couple and go out, you know, and look at the whole extended family and what happens to the hierarchies. Exactly. You know how exactly. people. It, it's very it, it's very uh, it's messy. Yeah. <laughs> to well, say the and least. even
2: look how we treat fathers also. Because I know my son had many experiences where people said to him, how's your wife? Mm-hmm. As though he hadn't had a loss either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and you felt, um, I, in the book I got the feeling that you somewhat felt that your son wasn't allowing you uh, uh, enough connection with him or, or something like that, or you weren't able to help him as much as you wanted to. Or Yeah,
2: yeah. I I did, and we're very close, um, and we live nearby, and we've always been very close. And I think it was just that he needed to turn to his wife, and they needed to completely isolate. That was how they needed to grieve. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that at the time when I was in the middle of my grief, I couldn't really kind of look at and analyze their grief.
1: You know, I love this because this gives those grandparents out there, you are giving people so much permission to be angry at their kids, to be angry at life, to be angry at losing a grandchild. You know, it's wonderful to have the permission to feel the way you do feel. Right,
0: Thank because you. I feel like I, I'm sure that there's a lot of grandparents out there that feel isolated right now and would like to really help their their children but feel like they're, they're not allowed in, like yeah. you said. Yeah, yeah.
2: And I think basically I learned that the best way that I could help them was to find help for myself, mm-hmm. that if I could tend to my own grief, I could connect and relate to them or maybe they could connect and relate to me on a better level, not not so much on the grief level but on the let's, um, let's make memories, let's find a place for this baby in our family.
0: Mm, I love that. And yeah. how did you do that? Were there ways that you did that? Well, one of the
2: ways that we did it was kind of we fell into it. Um, The nursery pattern that they had chosen had like frogs and turtles and butterflies and dragonflies. And without even discussing it, we all adopted the dragonfly as our symbol of Maddie. Mm -hmm. And it's become such a symbol that I even have coworkers and friends. When they see a piece of stationery or a card or a little dragonfly pin somewhere, they'll pick it up and give it to me. So that's, that's really become our symbol of Maddie. Um, we give each other dragonfly gifts on what should be her birthday. I give my daughter-in-law something with a dragonfly every year for Mother's Day.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you talk a little bit about in your book, too, which I love this, about how grandparents have to go to work. Yes. That is so interesting because nobody would think about giving a grandparent time off.
2: Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much standard corporate policy when I was looking into it, one-day bereavement leave for a grandchild. Wow.
1: That's yeah. Amazing. yeah. 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 Awesome. And then you also say that much of your self identity was shattered when Maddie died. If the part of my role as a mother is to protect my child, then I had failed miserably.
2: Yeah. I, I still I still get teary when I read or hear that statement because, I mean, isn't that how we all feel as parents? Even if our children are grown and married and have their own families, that as a mother or as a father, we want to care for them. We want to protect them. You know, my son was a grown man, but he was still my baby boy. Right. And I really did feel as though in some way, I had let him down because I couldn't protect him from this pain. I couldn't protect his daughter, and I couldn't protect him from his pain.
1: You know, one of the things that I'm thinking about also is I wrote a book on in-laws. A guy, the in-laws' survival manual is what it's called, and it's on the website. And one of the, the dynamics that goes on is the tension between the, the triangle between the husband, the wife, and the mother. And, uh, you know, the the mother-in-law of the wife and did a study. The major problems are with mothers-in-laws and daughters-in-laws in uh, in a study that I did. And uh, so if there's any tension, just for our audience out there, if there's any tension with your daughter-in-law before – Um, you've really got to walk on eggshells after the death of a child, don't you? Oh,
2: I would think absolutely. I've been very fortunate. I have two sons and two wonderful daughters-in-law, and I can very openly and honestly say they are both the daughters that I never had. Um, So I have been very fortunate in having a good relationship. Um, But, I I can say that this actually brought my younger daughter-in-law and I closer together. We did call each other. We did cry over the phone, and she was the one who told me I had to write a book. The grieving mother is the one who said, you need to write a book. Because Uh. one of the things, one day I was crying to her that I can't, we we both are big readers, and we were ordering books from Amazon and, you know, sharing them back and forth. And I was crying and actually whining to her that I couldn't find anything for grandparents. And Mm -hmm. she said, then you have to write it.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So she was the one who started this path. It, it for, sounds uh, a little bit like the women bonded. You know, I, I had to, we had dinner last night with a couple who um, are fairly newly, well, it's been a while, a couple of years. And um, the husband was there, and he's a very professional guy and, mm-hmm. and the wife. And and my and we were having dinner with my husband, and, and I kind of wanted to bring up the death of their child, and my husband kind of shut me down. And afterward, he said, you know, Gloria, he wanted, he didn't want to go there. He wanted to have dinner with me. He knows that we've lost a child. That's enough Yeah. for two guys. Yeah. He wanted yeah. to talk about work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? And he said, are you mad at me because I did that? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I-, I get it. You yeah. know, you yeah. knew what he wanted. His, yeah. uh, his wife and I have talked before, so... Uh, it, it's tricky, isn't it, with, a, with a, a grandparent on on how to deal with who talks when and that it, kind of thing. It's
2: very tricky. It's very tricky. And sometimes I find that I'm still kind of walking that tightrope. You know, when it comes close to her birthday, do I call them and say, are you doing anything special? Do you want to get together for lunch or dinner? Or do I wait for them to ask me? And, you know, I do still sometimes wonder, should I make the initial move or should I wait? Mm-hmm. And how do you decide? Um, I usually kind of decide on the spur of the moment. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't have a, a set way that I analyze and that I decide. And if I haven't heard from them, and it's kind of getting down to the week before, I'll pick up the phone or I'll email and I'll say, you know, would you like to do something special for Maddie?
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And who would you uh, who would you call?
2: my daughter in law okay. <laughs> actually and not because of any not because of any distance between mom my son and I, but because mm-hmm. she tends to be the better planner in terms of yes, let's get together for dinner, you know if I give him a message, she might not get it <laughs>
1: because yeah, one of the things I found in the study I did that women tend to be the social networkers. yes exactly yes. so so you're really looking at the family system and keeping, we call it in the therapy world, the hierarchies straight, Yeah, staying in your position and thinking about the position. Uh, You know, grandparents, uh, the the really most wonderful role I think they can have is as trusted advisors. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I like your phrase, staying in their position, because I find that I think that's what I'm unconsciously doing. I'm telling myself, I'm not the mother, I'm not the father, so they need to, you know, set the course of what they need and let me know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And be
2: available. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm not a certified bereavement counselor, but I've done a lot of kind of unofficial bereavement counseling over the years. I work in the HIV field, and I've been in HIV since the beginning
1: of the epidemic. Mm-hmm. And you were involved with the prenatal classes and helping people and all that kind of thing. Yes,
2: I taught prepared childbirth classes for many, many years and
1: attended lots of labor and deliveries. So, so you knew a lot about uh, what was going on. When, but of course, that moment when your little uh, grandchild yes. did not breathe and you were just coincidentally at the hospital, you weren't even going to go.
0: Yes, you were yeah. sitting
1: out and uh, just happened to be there when it happened. Yes, yeah, that that's true. Yeah. Well, I I wanted to some of the things that grandparents have to deal with is and parents also, but grandparents I didn't even thought about it, you, you buying toys and you already had things planned for the child and now we know, did you know the sex of the child?
2: No, we didn't. They were probably one of the few couples in this day and age who did not know the gender in advance. So you hadn't bought the
1: little... So we had bought
2: lots of stuff, but I didn't have anything pink.
1: Uh
2: Yeah, I had lots of toys and lots of gender-neutral, you know, yellow and green
1: sleepies and things like that. One of the things that I wanted you to mention, there are two things that, that came to mind from looking at your book. One of them was how hard it was for you to go into therapy. Yeah,
2: and it's kind of interesting because it's the first thing I recommend to anybody is, you know, to talk to a counselor, to find a support group, to find someone to share with. And yet I found it very difficult myself. I, it was as though I thought, well, I shouldn't need this because I know this stuff. I was looking at myself as a professional, not as a grandmother.
1: Uh-huh.
2: So it took me a while to make that separation and to allow myself to just be a bereaved grandmother. And also and so, with, allow yourself yeah, but,
0: to a certain extent to be taken care of instead of always taking care of everybody else because that's what you did in your field and in your personal life and helped other people.
1: Absolutely. And you think of that as a grandparent, you know, you're there to support, not to be on sure. the right. line. Sure, yeah, sure. So support can you have the whole family, before? yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about was how the two grandmothers bonded.
2: Yes and again we'd always had a cordial relationship but um, especially when our son and daughter-in-law um, well our son and daughter retreated to one another and they didn't answer their phone they would return phone calls but but they would let everything go to the voicemail and kind of screen the calls so my son how did, you, how did that make you feel oh made me feel very isolated it made me feel very isolated. And and the first time did you just feel crazy and angry? And... I, the first couple times I did, I wasn't so much angry. I was scared. I was really worried because I wasn't sure about their mental stability. This mm-hmm. was their first baby. They didn't have other children at home to care for. So the first couple times I called and didn't get an answer and got voicemail, I was actually scared. Mm-hmm. And I finally did talk to my daughter-in-law, and I you know, kind of extracted a promise from her that I will respect you and not call you a hundred times a day if you can find the strength to call me if you really think that either one of you is in serious trouble of harming yourself because then I'm going to have to break down your door. That's all there is to it. Uh, so like Yeah, I was I like, scared.
0: I mm-hmm. like going to them and saying, look, yeah. I won't bother. I will respect your privacy, but you need to come to me if there's a problem.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: a, a, a good way
1: to set a boundary mm-hmm. right for yeah. both sides. So, so the two grandmothers. So the two together. grandmothers
2: started calling each other and spending a lot of time on the phone. Yes,
1: That's yeah, funny.
2: because definitely we had a shared grief. We had both lost a much wanted and anticipated
1: grandchild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, in our last few minutes, do you have any advice for grandparents out there? What are your big pieces of advice for them? And and what about ritual?
2: Yeah, I think ritual is very important, and it doesn't have to be formalized. It doesn't have to be religious if that's not your own beliefs. It can be even some little thing that you develop yourself, such as the symbol with the dragonfly, if there's a a picture or a symbol that you want to hug or kiss, um, or just lighting a candle. And I can do those things by myself. I don't need to wait for someone else to do them with me. And I think the biggest piece of advice that I would give was the lesson that I learned the hard way, that we all need to be on our own grief journey and to grieve in our own way. So I truly believe that the best thing a grandparent can do to help a child with this type of a death is to take care of his or her own grief.
1: Well, that is a very good way to end the show, and and thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been uh, great having you on, lots of good information, and I would recommend that everybody get Nina Bennett's book if you're a grandparent or if you're a parent... um, parent who's lost a child, it may be something that you might want to get for your parents. Uh, The book is Forgotten Tears, A Grandmother's Journey Through Grief. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.